Three Movie Podcast. This is going to be a special episode. I've got with me one of my, from one of the podcasts I've listened to for easily nine years, and uh, one of my favorites, and I honestly can say I have not missed an episode. One half of the comedy film nerds, I have Chris Mancini. Welcome, Chris. Hey, great to be here. So uh, I, I like your setup. It's like a um, like a weird noir playroom. So you've got like one shining light. You've yeah. got like neon in the back. I keep seeing like a, was there a Maltese Falcon back there? That, nice. uh, oh my god! I wish I'd had one. Um, no, it's actually that's actually the bay room or the bay window of our uh, living room in the background. I just have the thing of string lights around the back. So it's, uh, and then the lights just from the dining room table or above the dining room table. So, Chris, uh, for people that don't know, that don't listen to his amazing podcast with his co-host, Graham Elwood. Uh, so, Chris is a writer, director, producer, podcaster, and dad of two. Is that, is that All correct? correct. All, yes. Okay. So, he's offered the book uh, Pacify, Pacify Me, a handbook for the freaked out new dad. And he's also co-author of the Comedy Film Nerd's Guide to Movies, which I own. He has written one graphic novel long ago and far away and he's needing your help as well as anybody else's that you know that loves comics with his new project rise of the kung fu dragon master and not to mention he's also co-directed with graham a documentary earbuds the podcast documentary yes. which I found. yes well actually graham directed it i uh, wrote and produced it okay there so. we go so i knew i'd <laughs> um, so Chris is here. He's going to talk uh, and kind of let you know what else going on with uh, with his new project and how you can help. Chris, go ahead if you want to talk about your new project with us. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, this is my second graphic novel. And if you're a comics fan, uh, or if I've been working with Starburns, who also does uh, Rick and Morty and Amalisa and. Uh, uh, moral oral so they have a, a very new print division and i've been involved with it so they picked up my first book long ago and far away after it was kickstarted but this new one rise of the kung fu dragon master i'm really excited about but it's also um kickstarters are a long slog to get to the finish line yeah. so we need everybody's help anybody who's listening like oh i know somebody like that oh this looks really cool i you know i'll, I'll throw down 20 bucks for the digital whatever um, it all really, really helps. And this one is an, an action, comedy, fantasy, uh, really fun book about Rick, a small-time fight club fighter who gets mixed up in an ancient battle between good and evil uh, that, that's been fought since the days of ancient China. So it's got a little bit of like Jackie Chan, a little bit of um, um, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, a little bit of Bulletproof Monk. Like It's got a lot of really cool stuff in it. And uh, But mainly I wanted to kind of tell a story about like you know, with our society now, everyone's just angry all the time. But what if somebody was really angry all the time? They're, you know, they're fighting in fight clubs. They, they're, you know, they're disagreeable. They're just miserable. I mean, how would it destroy every relationship and everything that they would have in their life? And how could you, um, you know, find ultimately find peace if you're already that far gone? And I thought that would be cool to kind of mix with the philosophies of ancient China and Kung Fu and how somebody could actually go from being angry all the time to actually harnessing that and ultimately finding peace. And then I thought, well, yeah, but it's still got to be funny, have great fights, monsters, and dragons in it, too. So that's uh, that's what I created. That's awesome. I, <clears throat> I love that idea. Um, so one thing I'm going to be, at least not um, as someone who loves comics as well, 
and I'm trying to get my my son loves to read. He's uh, he's on he's he'll be nine uh, on the third, mm-hmm. and he's in third grade, and he's read the first three Harry Potter books, and he's working on the he's working on Goblet of Fire, and right. he likes that kind of fantasy type thing. He reads uh, I think it's Amulet is one of the series that he reads. Amulet's fantastic. We we've been waiting for that last book for how many years? I know he's on book eight i think yeah so. there's, there's one more that hasn't come out yet i mean i was reading it when my kids are, were younger and now they've they've gotten older and they've um you know they they got tired of waiting but i still want to see how it ends i want to see yeah. the next book <laughs> so i i've never i hadn't heard of it but he he absolutely loves it um so i'm for uh for our road trip he's he's got the new diary of a wimpy kid book and then he'll have his other i think he's got five books in his backpack already <laughs> well, there's a, there, there's a lot of great, great, great graphic novels for that age group, for yeah. sure. Um, I kind of want to... Oh, I, I, I was going to say, especially the non-superhero ones are really right. cool. Um, I've actually got... I, I put in his backpack because I really want him to read because it's my all-time favorite. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of want him to read The Long Halloween, the, the Batman Long Halloween. That's, oh. like, <laughs> that's like my hands-down favorite. Mm-hmm. And I think he would like it if he read it, but mm-hmm. we'll see. He may uh, not be ready for it yet. It's, he might, uh, and that's true. He might not be. It, it depends, like, because that one is, like, very mature. And I remember, like, uh, when I read it just as an adult, I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is, like, Dark Knight. Yeah. Uh, when it, like, my, my son, he's 11, and he's still kind of, he's in a weird comics niche where he doesn't really love the superhero stuff, but he loves stuff like Amulet. I mean, there's some great, uh, like, Bad Island, Cardboard. Um, I'm trying to think of the other ones that he just really, really loved. Uh, Zeta the Space Girl and um, um, Jack, Mighty Jack and the Goblin King. There's like a lot of really cool um, ones that are just not, they're not superheroes, but they're really cool yeah. for like, that middle grade area. So your, your newest one, do you think that would be one that would be appropriate for him? Or is that more for kind of the older readers, do you think? I, I've been hitting, it's a weird thing. I just kind of tell the story. Yeah. And then um, I figure out the age afterward. <laughs> like, gotcha. I, never, I never set out to like, I'm making a mature adult story or I'm making an all ages story. But I'm finding for both these graphic novels, it's right in that 12 and over range. Okay. Like this one especially. Like it's uh, like, I, I feel like they're both PG-13, like, a, like yeah. you know, where that, that sweet spot where the Marvel movies are. Right. That's where my graphic novels are. It's got okay. cursing and some, you know. Right. Some violence and some, you know, more mature jokes in them, right, but right, right. but nothing crazy, nothing, okay. uh, nothing R or anything like that. So I would say in twelve and over is pretty good. Okay. But okay. you know, if he's a mature eleven or you know that's a mature yeah. ten, and yeah, he can handle it. Okay, because that's one thing I know with, um, you know, with uh, some of our listeners that have kids that you know maybe thinking that or have people that just that have kids that love to read. That's yeah. something I'm sure they probably would be interested in too. Um, because it is kind of funny because my son is uh his name's yorick and i his From mom and, last man yeah we named him after that so the sad part is he still got at least another eight or more years before he can even read them <laughs> yeah that was probably one of the most mature books i've ever read <laughs> yes agreed um i could tell a story real quick his mom was reading i think it's book eight or nine while we were waiting in line at barnes and noble um, for the new one of the new Harry Potter books eons ago, and she flipped to the page, and it's the only page in the entire series 
wears full frontal York nudity. <laughs> it's surrounded, you know, surrounding her. She had to flip that page as quick as she could. It was the funniest thing. Yeah. I was like, I was like, Jesus, Beth, what are you reading? Yeah, it's like trying to change the channel when you, one of your kids walks in and uh, you're watching HBO. So, yep. like, <laughs> so my my stepmom was watching the movie Revenge with uh, Kevin Costner from like the eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that Quinn. I hadn't seen that movie, e on, I mean, at least 20 years or more. And so I don't, I didn't remember much, but I was able to f- figure out what it was very quickly. My, uh, my nieces who are, you know, younger, they, uh, they're in there playing, you know, in the living room too, but they're playing Roblox on the computer and something else mm-hmm. on the iPad. And there's just this sex scene just going on, just all naked and everything. And she not changing the channel one bit. I said, okay. <laughs> I just looked at my. I looked at my brother. Go. I was kind of like, bro, you sure you don't want to say anything? I mean, it was really fun. I I will say this: one resource that's been invaluable as my kids have, um, you know, gotten older and they've wanted to see certain movies. Like, I'm pretty aware of what's out there and what's in stuff. However, there, I I can't see everything, so there is stuff that I, I haven't seen and I don't know. So what I do is I use the IMDb Parents Guide. Because not only does it tell me the rating, it tells me exactly what's in it. Like, um, like okay, sex, violence, cursing, you know, all of these things. Like, all right, well, my kid can handle this, can't handle that. So it, it's it's a very detailed guide, and I've used that a number of times for movies I wasn't sure of. Yeah, and uh, and I've seen that, too, and I've used it too. I kind of look on because uh, I went back and forth on whether or not I was going to take my son to see Once Upon a Deadpool because obviously you couldn't see the first one, you can't see the second one, but I'm like. Right. He might be able to see the PG-13 because he sees all yeah. kinds of PG-13 movies. Mm-hmm. So I looked at it and I looked at, you know, I looked at reviews and I looked at, right, you know, I looked at everything. Like, I guess we'll just play it by ear, you know. We'll just, so <laughs> I took him and then it was fun. the funniest part was when he was when uh, he they said something about uh, about him being dying a virgin and I was like, oh dear God, I forgot about that part. My son's mm-hmm. gonna be asking me what a virgin is. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> never came up. <laughs> Maybe he already knew. His powers, and he did anything else, and I think I dodged the bullet. And right. I told him I could hold all your questions for the end because I'm not going to know myself. Right. So I was just like, I was like, oh my god, please. Now, help. did you see both versions, the R I, and the? I have, yeah, I've seen both. Now I've heard like different things, like uh, like it completely guts the movie, or it's like, man, it's just a PG-13 version of it. Like, what did you think? Did you think it lost a lot when it dropped the rating? Well, see, because I'm looking at it. Because when the first time I saw it, actually the first time I saw it was the first time I've ever been to an Alamo Draft House. Because I actually had to go back home to see it there. Mm-hmm. So that you know that was an amazing just experience there. But um, so I was watching it. The lenses I was using were different. So I'd used it just me watching the movie and appreciate how funny and great it was. Mm-hmm. And then when I went and saw it with my son, I was watching it as a parent, not necessarily oh, right. the same. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I was like okay. So I didn't really see it. I felt it was still, I mean, for my son, it was fine. I thought because it's, you know, it wasn't anything different than he would be seeing in like a Jurassic Park movie or anything else, really. Um, there are some things I was like, they probably, you know, probably. And like the virgin joke and a couple other things. But as far as like, it, it just removed a lot of the cursing. I right, think right. It, they put in one scene, I think. I can't remember. It's been so long now. But it. I don't think I lost too much from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it, you watch it 
it's watching it differently. It's almost like watching it, watching it on a big screen and then watching the same movie again on like your phone or iPad. You watch it differently because the experience is different. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's kind of how it felt when I went and saw it, or when I when we, two of us went and saw that movie. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know. And now it's hard to get him to go to the movies with me. Um, my daughter's my movie buddy. She'll go see anything. Mm-hmm. So all those movies you and Chris say that you guys will not go see, mm-hmm. I've seen them. Yeah. <laughs> I have seen them. How old's your daughter? She's five. So, oh. And she was four before that. You know, she just turned five last September. So, so she did you see Adam's family. I know because she thought it was we were wanting to. She wanted to at first. Um, my buddy, uh, my co-host Patrick went and saw it with his daughter, and his daughter's thirteen, but they still wanted to go. He fell asleep, and <laughs> he doesn't generally fall asleep, but he fell asleep, and she was bored. Mm-hmm. So, wow, yeah, not the best not review. Too, and then not <laughs> really, yeah, I said, man, they would put that on the poster. <laughs> but uh, but now she, I took her to go see Dumbo. That was something. That was a movie. Um, I liked how it looked. That's really yeah. my, you know. A for production design. Yeah, yeah. I, I like seeing Penguin, and I like seeing Batman again, but, you know, yeah. just not the same way. Right. Uh, I saw Aladdin. Again, good production design, good costume design, and that's pretty much about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she enjoyed it. She does dance, so the dance she did with her dance team last season was friend like me so jasmine and Aladdin and all that so i had to go my son actually ended up at last minute wanting to go i think he just wanted to go because we were going to the movies so he went he said it was better than what he thought so i'm like all right surprised but okay and then um yes i saw the expression what's lion king um even when because i made the i actually made a kind of little meme between what's what's live act- basically um like animation live action and then uh cgi mm-hmm. i made a meme of that because i did the grinch as a good example because it had because the grinch is a movie that's had animation first did live action and then did cgi right and then for lion king i did i did uh animation the original and then for the new one i put you know put in air quotes live action and then in parentheses actually cgi and right. then for live action, I put the Broadway. I put a picture of the Broadway. Yeah, that's true. I, mm-hmm. I said, that's live action. <laughs> I mean, that's, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, I thought it was beautiful to watch, but I didn't care for the story. I mean, they didn't add anything. I thought the music. No, no. I like, all, all those all those projects are money grabs. There's yeah, nothing yeah. interesting about anything, anything interesting about any of them. Uh, the only one that at least did something different and interesting was Jungle Book. Agreed. And, uh, but, you know, that's why I said, oh, we'll put Favreau on Lion King. But listen, you can't change a thing. I'm like, all yeah. right. And yeah. we talked on the podcast. It's like, well, do you still get a directing salary for that? You're not really doing anything. Directing. So uh, I, I'm not I'm not really sure, like, you know, what, what the point was uh, other than to, I mean, like I said, money grabs. But, you know, what, what's interesting about Disney is that uh, um, they don't have to do money grabs like no, that no. you know they, they've got all these wonderful ips and content it's like it, it seems even worse when they do it and also if you go back to their library there's tons of stuff that could be remade that would be like really interesting like we just got disney plus and i'm looking at some of the older movies like Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea treasure island swiss family robinson remake these these are in desperate needs of remake, and these could these could be really really good, and they're classic stories. Right, and especially with the CGI that's available, you know, special effects that's available now, you could mm-hmm. really do something with it. 
just don't put the rock in them anymore. Yeah. I mean, you, I, you, the, you, I, I like the rock. I like the rock in some things. I and Grant and I'll be one of those people that probably end up seeing everything he's in. Yeah. Because he is so charming and is so entertaining. But that doesn't mean he needs to be in everything. I mean, no. no. He 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 doesn't be the he doesn't need to be the new Kurt Russell of Disney. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, like I would love to see, especially Twenty Thousand Leagues has a special place in my heart. I would love to see a remake of that with an actual squid that moved and uh, like some really cool stuff. I remember like some old trivia of like uh, um, uh, that. It, you know, I know it's hard to believe now, like because you're looking at it with contemporary eyes, but. That was like cutting edge technology, that giant oh, yeah. split at the end. Like it was like, it like you know, people were like amazed at that. And in fact, that special effects guy, I can't remember his name, um, was brought over to do uh, Jaws because of what he did with the squid. Oh, wow. I didn't, that part I actually didn't know. Mm-hmm. Hold on. I'm going to be Aaron for a second. Yeah. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to do your research? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go pull it. the gaps. Yeah, so I'm gonna uh, I'll be Aaron for just a quick second. Um, except I wasn't from St. Louis. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Let's see, cast and crew, production manager, special oh, special effects. Here we go. Uh, John Hinch, Josh Meter, Jim Donnelly. They had five. Lou Gray and Robert Matty. I okay now, now I don't remember which person it was or maybe it was the whole team. That well, the, the the last three were actually uh, were actually uncredited apparently. That I just read. So probably John Hinch, if he's the top one, would be my guess. But yeah, no, I agree. Um, I actually just now got around to watching the Mandalorian today. Oh yeah. Yeah, so that that's going well. So <laughs> I'm not disappointed at all by that one. No, it's really fun. I mean, now it's like three episodes. I'm like, come on, I want the next one. What do I have to? What is this old TV model? Now I have to wait every week for the episode. Exactly. And Disney goes, yes, that's exactly what's going to happen. It's like, all right, fine, <laughs> fine. So now, because I was actually hesitant on wanting to get Disney Plus, because I don't know, because I have the, you know, I have like the bulk of their at least animation library. So I'm like, oh, right. I really don't really need this and. Like, half the Marvel ones that are coming out, I really don't even care. Mm-hmm. Like, I want Winter Soldier and Falcon. That's fine, because I, I like Winter Soldier. But, mm-hmm. like, most of the other ones, I'm like, yeah. But now that I have it, I'm like, all right, y'all are going to say you're going to be putting this out. Let's chop, chop. Let's get with it. Yeah, let's see it. Come on. I'm going to watch all of it and judge it. Watch all of it now, because I'm changing my tune. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, um, so you would... Uh, said previously before we started recording that you had seen them you had seen midway yes i saw midway i'm one of the few people that saw it yep patrick was probably patrick was one of the other people that saw it i'm curious to get your take so our listeners can actually have two different views because i told them i would not be seeing this <laughs> I, I said you're gonna have to take one for the team on this one mm-hmm. he has on a couple of them and um my my deal will be coming my turn will be coming uh, next month because I guarantee he will not be seeing cats. And <laughs> I told him I would go see it for the sh- for the podcast. I would suck it. I said, all right, no, I'm gonna, you're going to end up making me go see it. So I'll- I honestly feel like, you know, from those trailers of cats, I feel like they should just start marketing it as a horror movie. And I think it's going to scare people. And I think people are going to leave halfway through. That would be amazing. <laughs> but no, because people, you know, tweens will end up, you know, having their parents take them because Taylor Swift's in it. 
Yeah, could at, be. Least, at least in Nashville they will. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So, yeah uh, so I saw I saw Midway, and you know it's a Roland Emmerich film, so I have to say, like from one side or the other, it was exactly as awful as I thought it was going to be. Right. And uh, it's you know it's like the Michael Bay school of filmmaking. It's just yeah. go from one explosion or one big you know budget uh, you know uh, epic you know thrill scene or you know a spectacle scene to the next. Don't worry about characters. Don't worry about dialogue. Don't worry about uh, historic authenticity. Just go get to the next explosion. And what was ironic is that um, this was probably, if, if this means anything, the most um, historically accurate Roland Emmerich film ever made. <laughs> and uh, uh, that is not saying much, but the thing, because he's such a sloppy filmmaker when it comes to anything other than like um, explosions or big special effects, like. When these were real people being portrayed by these famous actors, it yeah. made them seem fake. <laughs> like the dialogue and what they were doing. I'm like, well, that he, he presents it in such a false and uh, fake Hollywoody way that I'm like, well, that never happened or that, you know, that. And, and you realize at the end when they roll the credits, oh, my gosh, that person did actually uh, that, that pilot actually did bomb, you know, two uh, aircraft carriers. And I'm like, oh, my God, he was like a hero. But. Uh, the way, like I said, the way the filmmaking is, was presented, it was like it made every everything had a sheen of um, fake, false, and just this weird Hollywood um, polish to it that made it like completely un uh, like your suspension of disbelief with a historical World War II film, you couldn't do it. Right. <laughs> so it it was a swing and a miss, and I, I really feel like honestly. If that film, because, you know, Midway is an amazing story and, and it could be another great movie. We already had a great Midway movie, but you know, could we have another one? Sure. Let's say a very um, talented filmmaker who could direct actors, who could direct, you know, who could tell a story. Like, say, Spielberg, when he did Saving Private Ryan. And then Roland Emmerich came on board just to do the effects and the visual right. effects and was the supervisor. I think you'd have an amazing film. But uh, this whole thing of like, all right, well, he's good at visual effects. Let him tell the whole story and like uh, let him let him direct the whole movie. I'm like, no, he's really good at this one thing. Let him do that. Like Michael Bay, amazing visual effect. Let them be visual effects um, you know, supervisors again. And I think and put a really great filmmaker who can tell a story and put them together. And I think you'd have you'd actually have a great film. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, maybe have Roland Emmerich do the next Lion King. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> or, 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 or maybe the Aristocats and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's coming. Believe. It. I mean, we just had Lady and the Tramp on uh, streaming. Yeah, my daughter didn't. I tried to get her to watch it today, so we, so I could probably talk about it. But she, she's like, no, I'm, you know, it's not right now. I'm like, all right, fine. Yeah, I don't nope. know anyone who's seen it yet. Everyone's just watching Mandalorian. I'm like, oh, there's a new Lady and the Tramp movie on Disney Plus. I haven't seen that. <laughs> or, oh my God. X-Men's on, or, oh, my God, Darkwing Duck. And yes, Darkwing yeah, yeah, or Gargoyles. I want to rediscover uh, Gargoyles, because that was a really dark show for Disney, and I, I, I kind of want to, I think my son will really like it, so I think we might start watching that together. Yeah, and I think mine probably would, too. It's just getting him to, he's, right now, he's just watching uh, episodes of Gravity Falls. That's currently his thing on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gravity Falls is a really fun show. Yeah, it is. I agree. And, um, yeah, and so he's watching, I'm like, all right, I'm, that's fine. But, you know, it's just kind of 
it, yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. You know, there's other stuff on here that I think you would like too. So yeah. <laughs> with that, let me know because I, I think I think you'd like this and that. So he, that's the great thing about the streaming service. It's not going anywhere unless you stop paying for it. Like you know, right. you can continue to watch and discover things like uh, um, you know on and on. But at some point, like you know, I'm sure for you and your family too, you're like, well, how many of these things am I going to pay for? You know, right. I'm going to have to kind of pick and choose what I want. Like I tried to um, cut the cable. Yeah, uh, but um, the the other members of the family said no. We're keeping the cable. We still like it. I'm like, but there's other options. I'm like, nah, all right. But I think that's going to be the next thing to go because when you add up all these streaming services, I'm like, well, we could get all these things. We don't need them. Yeah, yeah we don't need cable. Anymore. Figure out what channels you need. Figure out what channels you actually watch. Right. See, because that's what I did. Because we ended up uh, switching to because we we uh, we got rid of cable and got the Hulu Live. Just bought a Roku and then. Mm-hmm. Got Hulu Live, and when I was looking at it before we did it, I was like, well, "This has all the channels we watch, anyways." So yeah, makes sense. What does Hulu Live have? Does it have all the regular cable channels? So it has, um, yeah. I mean, it has a lot of cable channels. It probably also depends on the market, like where your market is, right. too, because it makes you enter in your zip code and all that. Because it also gives you the local channels, you know, for I mean, for obvious reasons. Right. And then it gives you like a select number, and then for like fifteen dollars more, you can I think it's a hundred, hundred and fifty, I think hundred and fifty gig DVR, you know, iCloud DVR. Right, right. And, it's and not then, in your house. And then you can also for like you know, then you add on your cable, you know, your premiums, you add on your HBOs and your stars and all that. So we did that. We just did the, uh, and then you can set up your own profiles. Like I have one, my wife has one. Right. And then. Uh, so we have the Hulu Live, we have Netflix, and then uh, we have Prime just because it comes, you know, right. game that, so we have Prime. Um, and then save money on buying a turkey at Whole Foods with Prime. And, so. <laughs> and uh, where we're at, so we're right outside of Nashville. So um, the benefit of that, there's a different cable service that's just all, I mean, they do, you know, they do internet, phone, and all that, and actually do cable too, but... I just wanted internet. I saved over a hundred dollars just dropping cable and the internet with with uh, with uh, Comcast with us, and then just got internet for like fifty something bucks, and then Hulu Live for another fifty. So I'm like, I'm already saving like over a hundred dollars right there. Mm-hmm. And then even with uh, Netflix and then Prime, I mean Prime's just yearly. Even with Netflix and now Disney Plus, we're still, I mean, coming out ahead really. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And there's only so much you can watch. At some point, there's a, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. I mean, do you really, you know, a certain amount of like, well, yeah, I don't have time to watch anything anyway. So why am I paying for it? Right. Especially paying that much for it mm-hmm. when there are other options. So that's uh, that's one good thing. So, um, but yeah, so Patrick actually kind of liked Midway. He said it was entertaining. For him, his, you know, if it keeps him entertained, he's, right. he, he's he's good you know he um for spectacle it was you know it was spectacle that's that's for sure that's i mean that's what rowan emmerich specializes in is spectacle that's all he does yeah yeah. (laughs) can you imagine if he like can you imagine if he would have i'm surprised and i'm hoping i'm I'm not trying to put this out in the universe by any means but if he would have done some of the disaster movies from the 70s like he would have done earthquake or the towering inferno yeah. Yeah, and I'm not trying to put it in the universe for him to remake those. <laughs> By well, any. technically, he kind of has, but yeah, uh... <laughs> that's true. But it's just a different. But then that's kind of 
what made me think of it because he did Independence Day day after tomorrow. Yeah. Both those were fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Independence Day. That's my Fourth of July movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but day after tomorrow was okay. But yeah, just he loves to blow shit up more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I actually just watched uh, today because I, I rent a lot of movies through our, the National Public Library has an amazing um, movie rental or movie movie DVD selection. So I go, you know, and they have like new releases and old ones and like everything in between. So I go and I mean, it's free. Why not? So when, when I want to do Redbox, I go see what the library has. And I finally got around to watching uh, the long dumb road that uh, Jason Manzoukas was in. It's him and the, uh, the kid that plays flash in the new Spider-Man movies. Oh, Uh, I didn't see this movie. Yeah, it's it's actually, it's a little independent film. Mm. Um, I remember him talking about it on on uh, on how did this get made, um, mm. and a long time ago I never got around. I saw it on Redbox and then mm. just couldn't get to it. And then I came across it. Oh, I didn't mean to watch this. And it's a great little road movie. I mean, it's a it's about a kid that plays Flash. You know, it's going to it's on a road trip to college to like arts art school where he's going to be a photographer and everything and car breaks down he meets up with manzoukas he's kind of a little bit of a loser um just kind of a drifter and going from place to place he's 35 the kid's young so he's trying to he's looking at the kid like you know looking back like i wish i would have done something with my life you know don't screw things up because the world's horrible when you get older and it's very interesting i thought he was zooks was pretty much zooks but you could tell there was something different ron livingston's in it uh Carrie Wilson and uh, Tasia Farmiga and uh, Grace Gummer, who's been in a bunch of TV stuff. Um, it was, it was, I mean, for an independent film, it was good. I mean, for a road movie, it was entertaining. It had some good, it had to give some good humor. It's a very, like most independent films, it's very character driven. So, yeah, I mean, for 90 minutes, good time. It's not too long. Into kind of. I don't want to say abruptly, but it it when it ended, it ended. I'm like, oh, all right. I guess we're not gonna see what what happens any more than this. We're just we're just done. All right. So I guess we're good. <laughs> but I enjoyed it. I was glad I finally got a chance to see it. So uh, real real quick, I'm gonna ask you the questions I like to ask most of my guests or all sure. my, all my guests. Um, kind of it hits on both uh, what basically what movies you know kind of were like for you when you were a kid. And then, you know, I'll get to questions about what, as an adult, what it's like taking your kids to movies and kind of go from there. So, uh, Chris, what was, do you remember your earliest memories of uh, going to the movies with your family? Do you remember, like, one of the first movies you went and saw? I'm trying to think, like, I remember it was, um, it was a lot of Disney movies. I mean, it was either the animated movies or live action movies now. Um, Your older, your younger listeners may not remember, we used to have things called drive-ins. Yeah. As, a, <laughs> as a kid and what my family would do we had a station wagon and you know my parents would take me to a drive-in it would be a double feature we were already be in our pajamas and we would take pillows and you know lay down in the station wagon and watch the movie and then uh you know you would have the sound come in and i remember uh um there was always it was like a lot of times like a, a disney double feature i remember watching there's a really obscure elliot gould movie uh last flight of noah's ark if you remember oh. that movie I've heard of it, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah, it was a crazy one. And you know what's funny? It's not on Disney+. Plus. They didn't put that up, which is interesting. 
and nobody's really talking about it. It's uh, basically what happens is the the plane that they're in gets off course, and they land on an island where they meet these Japanese soldiers who don't know the war is over. So there, it's a really weird uh, kind of adventure movie with kids and history and uh, uh, a very scruffy and angry Elliot Gould. And um, uh, I remember that one. And um, I think the other ones were uh, um, Apple Dumpling Gang was the other the other you know ones. And then uh, the big ones that I remember the most that I enjoyed the most were the Herbie movies. You know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Herbie the Love Bug movies, which I absolutely um, adored as a kid. I thought they were so fun. Um, and they made a ton of those. And then they even made more of them. Uh, there was one that's really obscure. If you can find it, it's great. Okay. Uh, I think Peyton Reed even directed it. It was a, uh, a Herbie movie. It had Bruce Campbell in it, uh, Dana Gould, and then like Jeff Garland makes an appearance at the end. And uh, yeah, yeah, I know it sounds like I'm making it up, but it actually exists. Yeah. And uh, in fact, Dean, uh, what's his name? He passed away. The actor that was in all the old Herbie movies. He made a cameo in it. Dean, uh, I can't remember his last name. Darn it. Now, see, I'm going to make you check the Internet again. But as a kid, those were the movies that that I definitely grew up with. And then, uh, of course, as I got older, then it was the 80s movies. It was. You know, all the Spielberg stuff and uh, War Games, E.T., stuff like that. Were there ever, like, movies that you were like, I was too young to watch, but then as you got older, you finally watched it? Oh, it's a TV show. It was a TV movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, just called The Love Bug. Yeah, mm-hmm. from 1997. Yes. John Hanna was in it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, Dana Gould, yeah. Yep. How does, does Dana Gould not have a copy of it? <laughs> he must have a copy. Yeah. He got to. I'm sure he's probably glad to give him away. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. It's a fun movie, too. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know what? No, I never saw anything that was, like, not age-appropriate. Dean Jones. Or, or something that, like, I, I didn't like that I went back and, you know, liked later. Okay. Because uh, do you have... Uh, do you have, like, a favorite movie when you were growing up? Like, I mean, obviously, probably Star Wars, but, I mean... But Star Wars was actually an event for me, and I think that was one of the reasons that uh, it stuck with me for so long. It, it was one of the uh, one of the first PG movies I had ever seen. Okay. And uh, it, was, it was one of those things that I didn't know anything about it. I'm like, well, what's, what's Star Wars? But I was, uh, yeah. um, I was at... You know, I think it was, I'm trying to remember where I was. I think it was down the Jersey Shore with a lot of my aunts and uncles and cousins and relatives, and they were all going to see it. And I was like, yeah, okay, we're all going great. So we went as a group, and I remember there being a line. I'm like, oh, there's never a line to see movies. This is right. this is crazy. But there was, there was a line, and we got there, and I thought it was like I was just blown away by this movie. I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. And then I just was immersed into that world after that toys trading cards every, you know everything star wars yeah. i could get my hand on hands on i i wanted um and then it was you know ever since and there's there's always that like feeling like you know uh, i got to experience star wars when it first came out in the movie theaters and that would yeah. always be like a great memory for me for sure right so i came so i was born in 77 so i obviously didn't see the first one um <laughs> but but i do um I was told that I was taken to see Empire for when I remember. And then I definitely saw Return of the Jedi because my great-grandfather passed away the same year. 
So the best way for my grandfather to kind of explain death was through Return of the Jedi when Yoda passes away. So that, yeah, that's kind of how he, you know, trying to try to explain it to me. I'm like, yeah, that's like, okay. I mean, you know, and he's always been amazing about being able to explain yeah. things, and especially as a younger kid. Art um, reflects life. Yep, exactly. In a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> exactly. Um, do you remember a movie that scared you? Like a movie that like uh, that just really scared you when you were a kid? That you're like, I, I yeah, I'm good. I don't want to watch that ever again. Yeah, I think some. Uh, I think it was even. Gosh, it might have been in high school. Uh, um, somebody had rented Evil Dead, <laughs> and uh, that movie just freaking terrified me, and it was just so disturbing and so awful. I was like, I just really wish I hadn't seen this movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I was even a little older at the time. Like it's not like I saw it at ten, but it was right. it was just something about it just really just you know gets inside your head. And you're like, oh my god, this is awful. It's it's a really good horror movie. <laughs> I watched one. So this I'll take yours and it'll make you feel a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I was in college in my film class, and uh, one of the movies we watched in film class was Jake was uh, Jacob's Ladder with Tim. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I cannot for the life of me remember what we discussed. I don't know if it was editing or what, or if it was lighting. Maybe I'm not sure what element we were studying to that he was using that movie as the example. I remember Midnight Run or Midnight Run. No, not Midnight Run. Oh, the one where he gets he's in a prison. Maybe that. I always get them. Anyways, um, I remember that one was sound because it was very loud. Um, but yeah, so Jacob's Ladder. We watched that during film class in an auditorium full of other people. Mm. That movie scared me so much. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I was. I think 20 at that point. I went home and watched Three Amigos. <laughs> yeah. Something to kind of kind of bring me back before, you know. It's a palate cleanser, yeah. yeah. Big time. And that, and still to this day, that movie still, I'm like, I, I love it. To, like, I own it because I, I was like, okay, this movie scared me. I own this. And I thought it was amazing. Um, <laughs> um, let's see here. Um, did you have a favorite actor or actress growing up? Like, you're, you're like, they're in it. I want to go see it. Oh, for sure. Like uh, when you're, um, you know, watching these movies as a kid, you start because Disney a lot of times would use the same yeah. actors and you, you got to know them as a kid. Uh, and, you know, Spielberg a little bit, you know, to some extent as well. You know, you could kind of see some of the same actors, but um, mainly it was the Star Wars ones. It was, um, um, you know, it was Mark Hamill. And then, of course, Harrison Ford, then, you know, Seaman Indiana Jones. Those were the ones that, like, you know, really resonated with me. But even, like, Matthew Broderick in uh, War Games, I was, like, really, like, oh, my God, this, yeah. this, this is great. Right. Now, now Ferris Bueller, this is this is really cool. <laughs> like, a, a young Matthew Broderick. You know, what's weird is, like, no, he's older now. You know, my memories are always, like, well, Matthew Broderick will always be that surly teenager that hacks uh, into the Whopper or uh, <laughs> or is dancing on the parade float and not going to school. So that's that's how I can always remember him. Yeah, and that's, and I think for me it was like Tom Hanks was that way because watching, because even Bosom Buddies on TV, watching that, and then watching Big, and then watching The Burbs, which is still one of my favorite movies. Right. Um, I still swear my mom was next to the Clopex and has for 20 plus years because you never see them. Mm -hmm. You only know how their lawn gets mowed, but it does. Anyway, um, <laughs> but that's kind of, and then you know, I would just watch anything that he was in, and you know now kind of growing up, you just. That's another Tom Hanks. 
like, all right, well, you know, it'll be good. There's very few ones that are actually bad. Maybe a handful. Um, speaking of Harrison Ford, I, I, knew, I thought you would enjoy this. I don't even know if you know this is out. So I saw on trailer on IMDb, Harrison Ford's got a new movie called The Call of the Wild. Based I, on the- I, I haven't watched the trailer yet, but I saw the um, I saw that it was coming out. Yeah. Yeah. So Harrison Ford with a beard and, mm-hmm. and a toboggan head. So uh, looks looks like it could be interesting. I haven't watched the trailer. I just was skimming by and saw it. I'm like, I'm gonna bring that up later if I remember. So that should be interesting. Be interesting to see what happens. Hopefully, he didn't break a leg again. <laughs> Body part filming. Um, uh, let's see here. Do you remember the first movie you saw without your parents? No, I don't actually, because I would see them all the time. And, yeah. You know, it would be the typical like, all right, one parent drops off, and then you go with the group, and then another parent brings you back. Yeah. Uh, so, but it was, yeah, it was, it was probably every weekend in the suburbs. Okay. Uh, of the movies yeah i can't i can't remember the first one <laughs> do you remember the first movie that re- that had a real impact on you um it could be anything from a serious film that changed the way you thought about something or it can be something as simple as a comedy that shaped what kind of humor you ended up liking you know what's interesting it was uh it was probably monty python and the holy grail for sure that uh, and monty python in general that kind of shaped uh, a lot of comedy for me and one of the reasons was that how smart it was and how silly it was at the same time. Those are the those are the two things that I always really you know liked combined, and that's what they would just. No one was better at doing that specific combination than them. Um, but I think overall, like when you develop a love of movies, it, it's not like one genre you uh, gravitate towards. Right. Like uh, I could watch Mighty Python and the Holy Grail. I could watch. Um, you know, Indiana Jones, and then watch, like, The Seventh Seal by Aikman Bergman, and they all make me love film just, you know, even more. Right. Awesome. All right, almost done. Um, so, getting to adulthood now. Um, was no, there a... I want to get into adulthood. <laughs> I know. Tell me about it. That's what people keep trying to tell me. Like, oh, yeah. We'll get to one of these days. Um, was there a movie that you watched... Uh... Oh, yeah. Was there a movie that you watched that either shaped the profession you chose or had a real impact on your adult life? Uh, I think it's probably the same answer as before. I think it was the, uh, the the mix of all the different movies and genres because I think it was an overall picture and package for me. Like, uh, I love movies so much and I can feel all these different things and I can enjoy all these different types of stories and experience all these different emotions. How could I not fall in love just with film as a medium? Um, is there a movie made, well, is there a movie made about your profession or profession since you wear many, many hats mm. that you think gets fairly accurate or, you know, or is there one you think that gets it really wrong? So I guess that can be, could apply to any of your many things that you do. Well, I would say for filmmaking, see the player or, um, there's actually a really good one. It's a very obscure movie uh, called Mistress. Okay. Uh, with uh, I think it's Robert Wardle, I believe. If you look up Mistress, it's about you know trying to make movies uh, in Hollywood and uh, also especially indie movies. Um, it's really interesting. Um, there was another. It was oh gosh, what was something Oblivion with Steve Bu, uh, Buscemi? Uh, I can't remember. Living in Oblivion. Uh, that was another great independent film one. 
Yeah, there hasn't been a ton of stand-up movies. Right. You know, the closest you're going to get maybe is Punchline. Right. I mean, you've got Man right. in the Moon, too, but, um, you know, there's... Um, I think TV has gotten it a little bit more right than, okay. like, you know, than, than movies. But, you know, those are those are close. I mean, some of those things are, you know, that they show. And then there's a lot of stuff that they don't show. But uh, um, I did hear that the one on Showtime that I never got a chance to see was really. Oh, uh, T. Holmes is crashing? Uh, no, no. There was one. That's HBO. Never mind. Specifically on, uh, uh, I know my buddy Rick Overton was in it, um, about the stand-up i think in the 70s um oh yeah um i think jim I kelly was in it too uh, oh yeah i forgot i know exactly what you're talking about and i can't Boy, we've been bad at um they get yeah, typos today no usually i'm really good at this too yeah. usually, usually when you and graham do this on your podcast i'm like yeah. i'm like no it's this i got it yeah 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 i know and, and we know fans are doing that all the time we miss them like aaron hurry up get us get us <laughs> get us the answer so we don't get yelled at yeah no i'm saying and i i I think after Patrick and I recorded our first or second one, and I was having that problem, I go, "This is what Chris and Graham feel like." I already yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Because usually I just rattle stuff off the top of my head, even if I. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go ahead and say my record's still really good because that's a TV show and not a movie, so mm-hmm. I feel like my record's still sticking. <laughs> Can't at me if you want. Um, let's see. So, do you remember the first movie you took your kids to go see? I'm going to try to look that up real now too while I answer that question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, again, it, it's interesting that it's Disney movies. Um, I think it was um, Ratatouille that we saw together, but I think I'm trying to think which one I took my daughter because she's older, but um, I remember it was incredible. I'm not sure, but definitely for my son, it was Ratatouille that he really liked. Um, uh, now, it's a great feeling when, you know, your kids are old enough that you can all kind of go as a family, because yeah. especially when you have kids of different ages. And, you know, generally, I would say nine times out of ten, that movie's going to be a Pixar movie, because it's one that everyone wants to see. Exactly. And, uh, you know, from a younger kid to an older kid to the parents. So I, I feel like that's um, the answer is always going to be some Pixar movie <laughs> that, uh, that came out in a specific year. Um, so I remember Ratatouille and I remember the other thing I've really made an effort to show my kids over the years is the Studio Ghibli films. In fact, I just bought a bunch of them on uh, Blu-ray and they've loved every single one of them because they're so good and they're so engaging and they're movies that don't necessarily get promoted here in the U.S. as much. Um, and, but they're, they're brilliant. Every single one of them. And one of them, The Wind Rises, which was a very mature film, uh, not necessarily because it had adult content in it, because of the themes and the stories and, you know, the history that kind of went through. So younger kids, I thought, oh, well, they're going to be bored. They're not going to understand what's going on. And no, both my kids, even younger, they were just mesmerized by it. Yeah, well, the animation will help, too. Um, yeah, The animation is sure. unique, unique because it's not something that is the same style as what we have here. And, you know, I, I mentioned in the, in the email that, you know, you guys... Uh, listening to you guys talk about the Studio Ghibli movies, um, I'd never watched any of them because it was mm. you know, really my thing. But, you know, it oh, kind of... Oh, by the way, I'm Dying Up Here is the name of the Showtime show. Dying Up Here, that's what's <laughs> Thank you. I, I knew, I, I knew. I was like, it's some sort of saying, but I can't remember what, what it is. But yeah, for me, like, uh, I ended up... So I watched... I've seen the vast majority of them, I would say. 
And my favorites are still uh, Tortoro because it's adorable. Yeah. Um, Kiki's yeah. Delivery Service is actually one of my favorites. Yep. And uh, Hell's Moving Castle. Which those are probably in my top three. Mine is probably Spirited Away. Yeah. Um, Laputa, Castle in the Sky, and um, Wind Rises. Are probably okay. Yeah, and Spirit of, I forgot about that one. I don't know, it's hard, kind of hard, hard not to. It's the classic of all classics of those. Um, oh, and Princess Mononoke. See, I keep thinking oh, yeah. of once. I'm like, oh, yeah, on that one, too. Because <laughs> there's so many good ones. And, yeah, and, right. and it's, it's one of those things. There are movies you know you've seen at Target. <laughs> at the right, Target. yeah. <laughs> but you never think to, to you know, look at or try and find anywhere else. But you know they're out there and they are accessible, which is right. which is nice. It's just nobody, you know, is like, they're like, I don't even know what these are. I'm not getting um is there one that you find that you and your kids love, like, say, re-watching together at home? Well, they're starting to kind of have different age interests, so I think it's it's been a little tougher. But again, if it was, like, uh, it's going to be Frozen 2. Or, like, you know, it's going to be a Pixar movie. Pixar movie. Uh, but I'm trying to think, like, they're, they're definitely steering towards different things. Like, my son is far more into Star Wars than my daughter is. Right. You know, she's... You know, she wants to see like a star is born and stuff like that. So it's, but the Pixar is like that Venn diagram where all families meet at the center. (laughs) Right. Um, Is there one that, is there a movie that you've shown your kids from your childhood? You were like super excited, like, oh, thank God I could finally show this to you. And then they either really liked it or like, yeah, they were kind of like, no, that wasn't for me. You're like, who are you? Why are you my? Yeah, you it was dark. I remember showing my son Dark Crystal. I thought he would really like it because he's into monsters and oh. you know a little more creepy stuff. And uh, he hated it. He thought it was boring. And as I was rewatching, and I'm like, you know, he's not wrong. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this is a very <laughs> slow, uh, dated film. But here's the thing that kind of redeemed it. We both watched and loved the uh, prequel TV series on Netflix. Oh, TV series, yeah, yeah. So that was that was like a whole nother story. I'm still trying to get my son to watch Space Invaders with me because that's oh. <laughs> that's a movie from my childhood that I absolutely I went and saw it I think two or three times in theaters with my with my best friend at the time and and I'm like and I've had I've had it on DVD I watched it for Halloween I'm like I'm rewatching it again and it's still funny because it's still quippy I mean granted it's for a certain age it's definitely for right. kids like his age and even my daughter would look up from watching videos on her, on the iPad to look up and watch you know watch the movie from time to time mm-hmm. and she got you know the more it kind of progressed the more she ended up liking it I think I'm like oh, this is why you're my movie buddy mm-hmm. <laughs> but if I can get him to just sit down and watch it I think he would actually really like it so that's one I've got on my list um uh last one what can you uh, not wait to show them when they when they get older? Because obviously, as we kind of talked previously, there's certain movies you know we can't we want to show them, but it's not appropriate just yet. It's some of the classics that they're not ready for yet, or they would be bored by something like uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Right, is one for sure, um, and then also like uh, um, like Saving Private Ryan. I think is just too much. Like there's a yeah. couple that I really want to just kind of. Uh, um, really, really introduce them to, and you know, there, there's always like, all right, well, this one's ready for this one, this one's not ready, and then even if this one's ready, they may not like it. So, so it's a, you know, you're trying to figure out the puzzle pieces. 
But, you know, there, there's definitely a bunch of classics. But I've always been into family and, you know, those movies, too. So yeah. there's not, like, a ton of, like, hard R movies that, like, I can't wait to show them. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, you know, stuff like Rumble in the Bronx, you know, things like that yeah. I can't wait to share with them. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, because, like, I would love to have my son be able to watch Blazing Saddles or To Be or Not To Be. Right. Or Blade Runner. It's humorous, but, but yeah. Blazing Saddles, I remember it. I remember they showed it on TV. Like it, they yeah. obviously severely edited it. Mm-hmm. They showed it on TV, and we had it on VHS. Right. So we watch. We kept rewatching the edited version of it, mm-hmm. and you know, as kids, and loved it. So of course, we go to the video store, and we go to the video store. And so I go rent History, History of the World Part One. It's another Mel Brooks movie, mm-hmm. and you know, the first scene is is the caveman peeing on the cave drawing. Right. <laughs> so my mom quickly took that out of the VCR, put that up on a shelf to where we couldn't reach it. And I'm like, oh, there goes that. But even something like some old Hitchcock movies, just to kind of explain, you know, because there, there, there's some that are, you know, they're a little more faster paced. But, you know, you need to be a little bit older to kind of understand how, how amazing those movies were, not only through the story, but also stylistically and technically. And, you know, just stuff like that. But, Absolutely. Um, um, so, you know, as we kind of wrap things up, Chris, before we go, I definitely want to um, have you go ahead and and uh, talk about your your graphic novel again. Plug anything else you got. You know, I know. Absolutely. Has- I mean, I um, you know, I'm looking for a 100% conversion rate with your audience, so I'm hoping they'll <laughs> they'll go to uh, Kickstarter.com and back Rise of the Kung Fu Dragon Master, especially, you know, it's kind of like a film as a graphic novel. It's, you know, if you like movies like uh, Big Trouble in Little China, like I said, fantasy, comedy, action, all kind of combined uh, monsters, dragons, and epic fights. That's kind of what it is. So you don't have to love comics or graphic novels, uh, but if you love both, it's definitely for you, for sure. Yeah. So, and there's great rewards if you just want the digital copy through Comixology, or if you want a hard copy, and then all the way to um, being on the last Comedy Film Nerds show on the 12th uh, in Hollywood, or even a tour of Starburns, uh, the animation studio. So a lot of really cool stuff. And uh, digital libraries, all the Starburns digital libraries. So please check it out. Awesome. Also, and don't forget, there's still time. Of course, it'll be because podcasts are definitely cataloged. Yes, December 12th, December 12th. Oh, no, God, I got that wrong. That was the uh, live show. December 10, December 10, December 10. (laughs) Yes, um, please listen to as many episodes as you can. Um, I can't, I've not been able to recommend the show enough. There we go. I think I said that correctly. Thank you, Jeff. We're (laughs) happy to have you as a fan for a decade. Much appreciated. Yes, and uh, I have several shirts, and of course the book and the DVD. Awesome. Which, uh, yeah, because, you know, try and help out. And um, so if you all can, you know, help out, he would love it. I would love it, too. You'd be my bestest friend ever. <laughs> Me, um, too. And then I might be Chris's best friend ever after that, So, <laughs> yes. which I would also take. Um, yeah. So, uh, Chris, thank you again. I will be sure to put all your social stuff on our page and Great. put a link to the Kickstarter so that people can help you out. And... Um, go from there so thank you again it's been an absolute honor um oh my pleasure that instead of just listen to you it's, yeah, it's i know i'm talking right directly back to you i know but, it's uh, so weird 
So, well, uh, thanks, thanks so much, Jeff, for all the support over the years. I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, I'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. See you in podcast land. Yes, definitely.